everybody. Welcome to the Eric Lang Show. Special live edition from some weird uh, hotel in Augusta, Georgia. Uh, this is live. Well, you know, as live as it can get. And I'm on, like I said, I'm on some weird floor that's for like the preferred guests. There's like a, a greasy uh, chair, like office chair with a keyboard and uh, like, I guess it's a computer. You can probably hear what sounds like a um, super loud refrigerator. I don't know why some refrigerators are louder than others. Maybe that's how you calculate the value. Anyway, coming off of a wonderful weekend of golf down here in um, in Augusta, but more specifically, South Carolina, Aiken, Georgia. I'm telling you, there is some really good golf in Aiken, Georgia. Two courses so far I've played, uh, Palmetto and Aiken Golf Club. Honestly, pound for pound, some of the best golf I've played within the vicinity of each other, right? They're, they're right next to each other. It's a 30-minute drive from Augusta. But uh, Palmetto, big shout-out to uh, Evans and Jordan for inviting me out. That was great. Um, and for those of you that wanted to know how often I pay for my golf, I did pay. Palmetto was three bills, and that was a lot, and it lived up to every dollar. At, eight, at, eight, at $300, that's basically... Um, you know, $12 a hole or something like that. 10, 20. Yeah, it's about $12 a hole. It was worth every each shot. Well, I didn't hit that many shots. Come on, let's be honest. But um it's it's a really interesting course cuz it's like um it's designed by like a guy not very well known. I think Hitchcock was his last name. No joke. I could be getting this all wrong. Um, and then, you know, someone else came in. I'm, I'm in a public room, by the way. I can't believe no one's... I don't know when someone's going to come in and grind this to a halt. Grind the EAL. The, the EAL show is Rogue. And I'm overlooking Washington Road, which is w- the road that bisects Magnolia Lane, which little old Eric drove down last year. He was... It was 10 a.m. on a Monday... And he drove down listening to James Brown, obviously, because it tells because James Brown's from Augusta, and you know a lot a lot of people talk about that. And he just you know drove down Magnolia Lane with his clubs and his shoes <laughs> and some balls, and he played a pretty good round of golf. He shot in low eighties, if you consider eighty four, low eighties, forty two, forty two. Front nine felt a lot better. Back nine was pretty hot and cold. Anyway, that's the story of playing Augusta. You can hear the full story on the podcast. It's all there from about a year ago next Monday. Anyway, we're, uh, we played some good golf this weekend. Check out Palmetto. It's fucking really good. It's really good. The greens are pure, and they were all redone. All of the green complexes redone by McKenzie. Um, you know, when he was over here working on Augusta, it's a great, it's a, Augusta's a pretty good layout. A lot of, so a lot of people would say it's the best. Um, but you know, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty open-minded and, um, and then Gil Hans is working on it now. So anyway, very cool place, Palmetto. Uh, it's obviously not $300 around normally, but in some, some would say $300 around is actually cheap. Some of the courses around here are getting $3,000 for a foursome, which if you do your math quickly, 
you would know that that's seven hundred fifty dollars a a tea time a a, a head. Seven hundred fifty dollars. I mean, come on, man. Nothing's worth that. I mean, is it? I mean, I guess it's just gonna. How much money do you actually have? I mean, if you have that much money, it doesn't even matter. Like, why would you even be here? Right? You'd just be a member. I feel like someone's about to come in this room. Do you hear that? Hello? By the way, whoever I'm saying hello to, I just have no idea who they are. Um, scored some tickets for today. Old agency gave me some Berkman's passes, which is nice. I don't have any passes for the week. I just showed up on a wing and a prayer. Um, I feel like, am I quoting a Grateful Dead song when I say that? Um, but uh, Berkman's hooked it up. Uh, CIA hooked it up with some Berkman's passes. So we're starting off pretty legit. And then um, Berkman's is like this like Disneyland version of Augusta National. It's the back corner and there's a rest there's three restaurants that all have free food and there's its own its own little pro shop then you can do replica putting outside on on replica greens from like 4 and 14 and i mean i don't know that's all i know i've been once it was my first time going and um anyway yeah they were nice enough to hook that up and then collier the assistant head pro from peachtree Gave me a ticket so that um, so I got an extra ticket so I can bring a friend, which is nice because I like to travel with friends. You know, you like to travel with friends, everybody. I really feel like someone's in this room right now. Hello, somebody in here? The room is decorated. I mean, there's I'm at a dining table. I mean, I could make a coffee. You know what I mean? Um. So anyway, I'm really excited for this week. I'm gonna play some golf. Obviously, that's one of my favorite things to do. Um. I um. I'm going to scroll through the DMs here and find some questions. Everybody, um, stay tuned. Okay, Nick Morasco. Any thought on opening your own short course one day and naming it Random Golf Club? Make it like a Match.com kind of thing, and you just pair up with whoever gets there the same time as you. 100%, dude. That would be exactly something I'd be into. Um, don't know how to figure that out. Um, should struggling golf courses turn to municipal courses? Peyton Fenn. Um, I don't really know. That's a good question. Hang on. I'm going to read these before I answer them. Hang on. How do you live the single strap life? Mr. Steven Carrier wants to know. What's in the bag? Why is mine so heavy? You really carrying that thing 18 holes? I'm tired just thinking about it. Well, look. The bag I have, obviously a Jones bag. It's got a fat strap, so it's super comfortable. Um, I don't put a lot in there. Like six balls, 14 clubs. Um, what else do you need? I have a Precision Pro rangefinder, obviously. But other than that, I mean, it's just a bag. I actually noticed it got heavier because my shafts, I'm playing the Project X six and a halfs, and they're heavy. They're heavier than my other shafts. So I don't know. I mean, it's not that heavy, though. It just, I don't know. Um, Bernie A4 wants to know, what would I do to play Augusta National, and who would you bring? Well, I've already played it, my guy. I wouldn't do that much. I mean, I want to play it again, to be honest. I want to play it again and light it up. Like, I wasn't playing that well last time. I feel like I could go this time and, like, shoot 76. It's just such a good course. And especially if you know if you know where the ball's going, you can make pars. You know what I mean? And the greens are big. So, you know, if you can get it on the right spot. The problem that pros are having at Augusta is they're trying to make birdies. That's really hard. Making pars is, like, kind of manageable. Like, you can make some pars as long as you just keep the ball. Uh, generally located. 
Tommy Banjo wants to know, what is the greatest high you get from golf? Is it meeting new people along the way or stiffing a long two iron, a long iron from two hundy? I mean, it's exciting to hit a good golf shot. It always is. And that's definitely a, a fundamental part of getting addicted to golf. But that can't be the greatest high because that's ultimately very selfish, right? The greatest high is the is the 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 sustainability of the stories that exist in golf and that's why i search what i search out you know that that's that's why i'm interested in playing a place like palmetto like i don't i like i like that i made an eagle at palmetto i like that i hit a five iron from 185 to 15 feet and made the putt you know but you know i mean that was that was sort of fun that that was like the sex but you got to have the relationship too you know that's good that's actually a really good analogy. Um, I have no idea who's going to win any tournament. That's a, that's a that question is a waste on me. Um, <laughs> topic of losing your swing relevant to me at the moment. I mean, you know, a lot of like the thing about losing your swing is you just got to visualize your perfect golfer. I think I think that's how you fix that. You really just got to find that swing, and I usually do it by visualizing my favorite golfer and then just kind of working backwards from there um sunday pin wants to know what makes a golf course awesome for me i mean a lot of it's vibe you know vibe is huge um obviously design is a big part but but vibe is a lot like vibe goes a long way i mean you know i think also it should be playable and you should be able to miss but also have fun and complex greens makes it easier to entertain and for a longer period of time the, the better golfer um, I would love to design my own course. I don't know how it would look. It would be on the water, that's for sure. I would have to design it on the ocean. Um, it's a big thing for me about golf. So for me, a landlocked golf course that's beautiful. I mean, that says a lot. You know, like Beth Page Black was really my first love away from the ocean. Um, uh, where do I get my gear, uh, D. James Neal? I, I go on eBay a lot. You got to check out eBay to get that fresh old. Um is there anything about your current job or lifestyle that can seem sometimes feel unfulfilling? Oh, uh, good question, Paul. Um, uh, you know, it, it's, it's when I feel like a waste of time, you know, and I feel like my time is being wasted somehow, you know, and it's not like a douchey thing. It's just like, you know, I, 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 I want to just get what needs to get done. The most utmost priority, which usually is filming. Um, Obviously, it looks amazing to anyone who follows you, but is there anything about it that just bothers you a little bit deep down? Yeah, I mean, it's it's just the time thing. Like, like, you know, it's it's just that really. Like, it just I just want to get everything done as 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 fast and efficiently as possible. Um, you know, sometimes the part that bothers me a little bit is coming home, is the end of it, right? The, the end of the trip, and and you may have noticed that the trips just kind of keep linking end to end and there's fewer breaks there's fewer ends of them and i mean part of that is a factor of being busy and you know my job more and more is being on the road and and that's sort of how i generate income for my as yet unfound family um <laughs> but uh you know i mean but the the end of the trip is kind of a tough time you know it's like oh it's all over then what and I get that rest, but you know, it's something I've really had to learn how to get rest on the road now. Cause it's just been weeks and weeks and weeks on the road. And it's just like, you just got to take that day off and sleep in. You get, you have to sleep in. You have to force yourself to not like get up early and go find a tea time. That's a hard one. 
Uh, Nick Trapnell, besides cash, what gets you out of bed each morning? Come on, my guy. You should know this one. You and your team do such a great job of telling a story, but what motivates you? What is it that keeps you going? Man, honestly, it's questions like this. It's interactions. It's, it's people coming out to us and saying, yo, we love what you do. You know, hey, I've seen, I think I've seen something. I've seen the, you go, you're the guy that goes to Nepal, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, that was cool, man. Yeah, I showed it to my friend and, um, you know, he, he decided to come play golf with me. I showed this to my wife. She decided, she said, oh, golf's not so bad. Maybe I'll come play. So that's what it is. That's what motivates me is growing the game ultimately. And then I don't like the way that sounds, but it's true. Um, Tiger question. I don't know. Not going to touch it. Richmond Moffat, long career with no man. I don't know. Um, Sand Valley. I'm in. I think I'm in England then. Thanks. Thank you. Um, I I would love to entertain all the invites to these places, but it's hard to plan ahead. You know, it's usually like a day before thing. I've got a buddy that consistently plays barefoot. When forced to wear shoes, he plays worse. Any advice for my barefoot playing bro? Low, lose scores are given to the haters. I don't know, man. I mean, I mean, maybe he needs to get some shoes that like mimic being barefoot. They make those like they're for running. You know, um, they're called like no soles or something or like naked feet or something. I used to wear them when I went running. Um, yeah, you could try that. I I don't know. It's tough. Tough questions. Um, how uh, has your success as a golf figure allowed you to give back in the world off the deck A-Z-L-A. Um, I don't know I mean that's a good question I mean in the world or the golf world I mean I think that part of the reason why what we do is successful is because the point is to kind of give back to the golf world, which is to say, get people excited to go play. Like I realized with my dad, we were talking the other day and I was like, oh my God, I am a salesman. I just sell golf. I don't really sell any other part of it. I just sell the game of golf. That's all I do. Um, uh, does Jay Monahan have a valid reason to kick Kevin Na off of the tour for walking in putts while being five down through eight holes? No. I, I didn't even know this is an issue. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know, man. I don't get too deep involved with the PGA Tour news anymore just because I don't care. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. It's just, it's a news cycle, and they're just going to go through it. And ultimately, it has zero effect on my life, and it's not my job. Like, if it was my job to get involved in the PGA Tour news, pro golfer news, I might. And sometimes I chime in or feel... Imp, imp, compelled to when it's when it's gen, related to the general consensus of golf PR problem, but unless it's that, like I just don't care. I mean, I, I'm way more interested in changing the game that we play, that 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 that, that the, the amateurs play, that the real people play. The pro news, I mean, yeah, I mean that's sports. You know, that's great. I'm I'm not terribly into sports. I'm more into, um, you know, puzzles. And I think that's the way I look at golf. And that's why, you know, there's people that just follow golf but don't play it. And there's people that play golf and don't follow it. And there's a big difference between those two people. And I think I can get down with people that want to just talk golf, that want to talk about pro golfers. And, you know, I'm down with that. But, I mean, I haven't even, like I said, I, I haven't even heard of this Monaghan having a reason to kick off the tour. I don't know. Like, I just, 
it's just a kind of a waste of time. I feel like it just kind of comes and goes each week. And in the end, everything's the same. I'd rather just like go focus on how I want to play golf and enjoy it more. Um, what experience in golf has changed your outlook on the game or life or has been the most impactful on you? Oh man, that's a really tough question. There's just been so many. Um, I, it's very hard to boil down. It's a well-worded question. I will say that. Um, I mean, it would just be my first one. The one where my brother invited me to play and, and, and the, we can come up with a compelling reason to talk about that, which is that someone invited me to play. Even though I knew nothing about golf, I knew nothing about the rules and the etiquette and all the little secrets of it, someone still invited me out and they took a chance and it was annoying, I know, because I've had to do it with other people. And that's, that's definitely, it changed my outlook the most. My life was changed after that moment. So as hard as it may be, we have that responsibility for at least one person in our lives. Um, I'm going to go to a quick commercial. All right, folks, you know my favorite golf shoe, don't you? I think you do. It's three-stripe life, y'all, and that means Adidas. Um, and so anyway, I just wanted to tell you that when I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Tour 360, obviously, and uh, they've made a huge update to the Tour 360, and uh, the two letters that it's concerned with are the letters X and T, okay? The Tour 360 XT changes the game, okay? It's lighter, so your feet feel even better after a round. By the way, a light golf shoe is what I'm all about. A heavy, there are some other companies making heavy golf shoes, and I'm just like, by the way, I weigh enough. There's enough going on. I'm carrying a golf bag. I'm carrying my team. Um... Tour XT changes the game. It's lighter, so your feet feel even better after a round, and it still features that boost, y'all. Do you know where boost comes from? It And boost is cool because it only comes in black and white. I don't know if you noticed that. And actually, they the guy who made boost like was going to bring it to some other, you know, they, they were shopping it around, and everyone else said no. Adidas was like, I'll take that boost, even though it's only black and white. And what did Adidas do with it? They made it awesome. I'm looking at boost right now on my feet boost on my feet uh and it has an x-shaped traction system that gives you insane stability literally it's not sane it's literally crazy your feet will literally be like i'm crazy best part it comes in spikeless Ooh, that's tight the first spikeless ever in the history of the tour 360 crazy comfortable and perfect for the course get your pair at adidas.com thank me later follow adidas golf for all the latest and greatest that's all true statements right there check it out go support adidas because they're a good company good people i like it uh, Jack o. Sutherland wants to know if there's an addiction, if there's a connection between addiction to golf and some vices, addictions to golf and gambling, and in what ways is the connection positive or negative? This may be a touchy subject, but I think there may be a psychology lesson in this and respect your history and present perspective on this. Okay, respect. Good question. Well worded. Thank you. Um, question is on point and probably affects 99% of us, says a comment below. I mean, here's the thing. For me, like, it's absolutely addictive, right? Because you're seeking something that is impossible to attain. Just like when you, whatever drug you're into, drinking heroin, weed, crack, coke, a cigarette, coffee, you know, you're seeking that first feeling of free when you felt free and you got that actual like moment of with no self. And that's what you get when you hit the ball pure and then you look up and watch it tracking. You know, that that's, that's free. Like you had a moment without yourself you had a moment of pure engagement with the ball. You actually shut up for a second. And that's kind of what you get 
when you do drugs is you get to shut up for a second. You get to forget that you exist. And that's a wonderful feeling. That's bliss. You know, meditators and Buddhists have been seeking that for thousands of years. So it's like no secret that golf would have that. And then you add to that as well that there's a score component so that we tweakers can really get in there and look at, oh, improvement. We can measure our fairways hit and greens hit and we can measure our putts per round. And like, you know, it's built for the addict. Also, it's totally self-sustaining. You can go out there and you can practice on the range. You can practice on the putting green. You can go play golf. You can play golf by yourself. You can play golf in matches. You can play golf with other people. You can travel and do it. You can do it at home and do it. You can do it in the winter. You can do it in the summer. You can do it anywhere. I mean, it's really a psycho perfect storm for that. That said, I think it's a positive connection, all right? We're not doing anything to hurt ourselves unless we're, you know, spending through our own income, right? I mean, I think it's a positive thing. We, we learn lessons from golf, right? You're going to break a club probably, and then you're going to realize that that's totally juvenile, and then you're going to not do that, and you're going to think next time you want to break a club, you're going to say, you know, I don't want to do that. Hey, Sklar Brothers here, Randy and Jason, and we have a couple of podcasts. If you you know them or you don't know them, check them out. We do View from the Cheap Seats, which is sports and comedy, and we have a podcast called Dumb People Town where we break down stupid behavior done by stupid people in this stupid world of ours. It is hilarious. Check them both out, and now check out this podcast. And so that's kind of what it is. You're going to look people in the eye. You're going to take your hat off when you shake their hand. All these things just occur because it's the people we're around, and golfers are good people. So good question. Um, what color master shirt goes best with a peach ice cream sandwich colored hat? Eric Henson wants to know. My friend who spells his name the same as me is sending me one, and I want to be prepared. Oh, that's funny. I see. You've incorporated me into that. Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, it's a, just the people came out in the elevator staring at me. Can't blame them. <coughs> I would stare at me too, Eric. That's a good question. I'm not. I'm not gonna fall for it this time, though. But it's a good question. Um, at what club does the club head s- surpass the ball? No idea what you're talking about. Should you be allowed to play music while you play golf? Uh, not only should you be, I believe you are. I don't know the rules of golf. Apparently, what three things do you always have in your golf bag? Uh, aside from balls, tees, and glove. I have a watch holder, a little zippered-up watch case. I have a... Um, and nothing really that interesting. I have, a, I have a little tripod for my iPhone so that I can take a photo if I need if I'm all by myself. And um, uh, a raincoat? That's about it. I keep it pretty minimal in there. Aw, What's up, KJ Stewie? I often find it funny how the smallest moment can change the course of our lives forever. If your family hadn't had pressured you one last time to go out and golf with them, where do you think you'd be today? I probably wouldn't be in a hotel in Augusta, Georgia in the beginning of April. I have no idea. I'd probably be working on some movie somewhere. I don't know. I don't know if I'd be as happy. That's for sure. I don't know if I'd feel that my life was as meaningful. It's a good question. Um, the, 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 how do you manage yourself mentally when hitting bad shots on the course? Good question, Carson. Um, I don't, I don't do it well, right? Nobody does. We all want to do it well. But the point is, everybody's going to hit a bad shot. The point is that there's that moment in there where we think that we should only hit perfect shots. That That's, that's really the problem, right? Mm-hmm. Is when we hit that bad shot and we say, I 
unacceptable. And then we think that nobody else does. I mean, Tiger blows them wide. Tiger's duffed his chips. Tiger's shanked them. All of them have. So when we go up to a hole or a tee or a fairway or whatever, and we think this, you know, and we think it should hit the green every time. Well, what happens is, is you basically become an annoying person to golf with and you become like an insane person and you don't really set yourself up for the attitude that you need to have on the next shot. You got to focus on finding that positive attitude. I mean, that's it. Like if, cause if you don't, and, 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 you know, maybe the positive attitude is I don't care, you know, or maybe it's, Oh, how are you? How's your round? Or, you know, call your mom. You know, there's got to be something that you've got to be able to rely on so that you can get in that positive state of mind. Or else it's just, you know, you're, you're missing a large opportunity to learn from the game of golf if you don't do that. That's the truth. That's really the bottom line of it all. Is you just got to find that. Um, good question. Um, golf etiquette changed that much between the U.S. and Scotland. Brandon Jones. Yeah, in Scotland, people are just straight up nicer. That's the truth of it all. You go to a Scottish clubhouse and people are like, how are you? How was your round? How do you like our course? In America, they're like, get away from me. Leave my course. You're making it busy, and I don't like you. It's scary to see, and the only way I found to, over, uh, to, to, to counteract it in America is you just got to be the nicest person on earth. Um, Hickory Golfer wants to know, what was the deciding factor that made me want to go play golf that day with my dad and brother? You know, it's a good question. I don't really know. I, I think it was that I thought, geez, I've said no to this my whole life, and now I think of myself as a yes man. Why do I always say no to this? I should at least try it a little more. I should try it. I mean, I'm saying no to something I don't know anything about. So that was a big part of it. Um, question one, what the fuck? Topic one. Should all private courses have a public rate? <laughs> Absolutely, they should. They should totally be open on Mondays and allow the public to play. Um, and Strong 71, when was the I have to pinch myself moment when you realize that doing what you do really impacts and influences people and their lives? Every day. Every day that someone comes up to me and says, that was cool. I mean, obviously, there's more important moments and text messages and realizations throughout the way. But that was the biggest one. Every day. Every day someone says, that's cool, you know. I forget that we've all seen it. I forget that we all care about golf. You know, I really do. Um, okay, I'm going to read this one. Fuck it. Let's go. I haven't read this. Riley Manasco says, I loved the segment recently where you talked about how you've noticed there is a beginning to be a disconnect between the original adventures of golf ideologies and that you cannot remember when you paid for a round of golf. Now that you are getting invited to play at insert private expensive club, not Palmetto, <laughs> but that you never wanted to get away from that spirit. I just wanted to know what you ideas you had to combat this change since your success has skyrocketed in the golf world, and what are the initial steps you plan on taking to prevent that from happening? I know I'm paraphrasing what you said some, but it's a thought I've had. Love all your content and hope to continue to see you stay in this space as you are huge for this game. Oh, thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Um... I don't know, man. I mean, you know, some time has gone by since we had that little convo. And I'm just, you know, I mean, everything changes all the time. So I think mostly it's a part about perspective and it's just a part about dialogue. And the fact that we even just talked about it like that all of a sudden changes it up. 
So I think partly it's about, you know, playing Aiken Golf Club and Palmetto. And then you get two courses in Aiken. One's private and really expensive, and the other's public, and it's cheap. It's a tenth of the price. So go over to Aiken Golf Club if you can't afford Palmetto, and don't sweat it. You're not going to miss any big, you know, glory, um, um, some, you're not going to miss some big moment of epiphany. You're just going to be playing a different golf course. And the truth is it's all about who you play with. Golf has this really funny back-end motion where it's like, it's all about the exclusive. It's all about the private. And that's why everybody covets Augusta National. But I'm here to tell you, I've been. It's not that insane. I mean, it's rad. Tell me about it. The religion that Augusta has created, the, the, the incredible pilgrimage that we take to something that we add meaning to is very incredible. And, you know, um, Clifford Roberts and Bobby Jones and all of the wonderful chairmen that have taken Augusta National and the Masters into what it is today is all incredibly important. But the idea that, you know, you will be incomplete if you don't play Augusta National is absurd. It's not meant to be that. Augusta National is a small course that's made for its members. And the way they share it with the world is through the Masters and through wonderful television coverage that they strive every year to make the best it can possibly be. So this idea that, like, Palmetto is better than Aiken is absurd. It really is. I mean, of course, like... If, I, if someone's rich, they're going to want to say Palmetto because it's got better greens, it's a little bit less busy, and it's got better accommodations, and, you know, the fairways are nicer, right? But given, given an equal amount of money, I would imagine that people would be happier at Aiken because you're getting more for your value. You're getting more value for your dollar. So I think that's a big part of what we're doing. And, and you know, we did that in, um, in, in Georgia, the hard part is when I find that I want to play the exclusive courses because now they're available to me and they're even free most times. So, you know, yeah, it's like I'm going to go play Somerset. Like, I'm pumped. Like, I can't wait to play there. But on some level, it's like, oh, I feel bad because I can't take all you guys with me. You know, and that's just part of it. And we're working on it and we'll figure it out. I played Peachtree last week. I didn't post a photo, you know, and it wasn't out of guilt. It was just like I was just taking a day off, you know, um, and it's like it's not it's not like. I don't ever want it to feel like I'm flaunting something or like, or like I want you to like feel like you need to play here. And I think that's just a tonal thing that I'm working on. You know, never ever do I want to fill in the exclusive gaps of golf, right? I, I don't ever want it to be that. I always want it to be as exclusive as, I'm sorry, I always want it to be as inclusive as possible. And that's why we do the meetups and that's why I bring the camera with me everywhere I go. That's why we do anything. That's why I do this podcast. And that's why some people are starting to get the memo is like, yo, if I see Eric at a course, I just show up and he'll accept me into the round. And we've done that now the past couple of times. People just show up and they say, yo, I saw you were here. Boom. Let's go. Usually the story on my Instagram is live. It's happening right then and there. Sometimes it's a little late. But anyway, um, that's the whole point of it, though, is it's about making it inclusive. And so sensitivity there for sure. But working on it. All right, let's get a couple more questions for you Monday. Um, uh, what is the most difficult course you've ever played? Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, Palmetto was pretty hard. I mean, it, it, Beth Page Black, you know, that's for sure, Stephen. Beth Page Black. I mean, it's long, the rough is deep, the greens are intense, and it's just a slog, and it takes six hours, which doesn't help. Um, I'm super excited for the YouTube pro with Rick Shields. That's going to be fun. Two weeks we had out there. That'll be great. Um, what about the topic of including more match play events? Yeah, I'm fine with that. That's great. 
Is golf too expensive? I mean, sure, yeah, but it just comes down to how much people are willing to pay. If people aren't willing to pay that much, they will make it cheaper. So it's a hard one. You know what I mean? Um, question, how are you going to keep us out of the loop on you and those coffee dates? My guy, I think I know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> all right, gentlemen, get a little personal here. All right. I'm going to sign off. Have a great week. Oh, Casey's got another question. What's this question, Case? Um, do, do you still get as excited for the Masters going to Augusta knowing you've already played the course and the possibility of never playing it again? But knowing you, you'll probably get on there again. <laughs> I don't know that I'll get on there again, but I I do get excited, man, because I'm a golf guy. You know, I love the golf. I love the game. I just want to come out here and I want to watch people play golf. I want to watch people love golf. I want to watch my involvement with golf change and grow. I want to watch my feelings about golf mature. I want to watch the women's amateur and the and the ANA take place on the same weekend. And I want to see everyone forget about the Valero Texas Open. You know, I want to see golf grow up a little bit. And I want to be there for every minute of it. So if coming to Augusta, me already playing, that's the first year. What's the second year? What's the third year? When will I play Augusta again? I don't know. It's not really important to me. I'm just excited to go. I'm just excited to be here and be involved. And I'm excited that y'all listen. You know, I'm excited that y'all care. I'm, so, I'm sorry we don't get a chance to get to all the questions. I'm sorry I don't really get dig in the DMs anymore. That's it's just a factor of time. But, uh, but, you know, I'm excited to see what year two brings and three. And honestly, this is my fourth year. No, my third year at Augusta. And, yeah, I'm pumped to go into those gates. You know, I'm pumped to see what Monday has to offer and Thursday and and now it's about seeing friends, you know, a lot of people I know here. And so it's about running into people that I haven't seen in a while. The golf industry kind of descends upon Augusta National. And it's been really wonderful to explore. Seeing Aiken and Palmetto this weekend, that, that has been really fun because it just reframes something that I thought I already knew. It's kind of like looking at yourself with a beard or a mustache or a different haircut. All of a sudden you see it from a different vantage point. It's kind of like when you look at a hole from the tee box, it looks one way. But you look at the hole from another hole, or from two holes away, the hole looks totally different. And so we spend our life walking around this course, and we sort of see the same things over and over, but they aren't the same. You never play the same round of golf. You're, you're, you're walking the same sort of path, but your feet aren't stepping in the same paths ever again. So coming back to Augusta, I'd be an idiot to say that it's the same or that I know what's happening. Oh, I never know what's going to happen. That's like saying, hey, you know what you're going to shoot on the first tee. No, I'm not that stupid. I have no idea what I'm going to shoot. But I hope it's a memorable round with some memorable shots. And it might even be my best round of my life. As long as I just, you know, keep the tempo smooth and the, and the vibes even smoother. Have a great week, everybody. I'm really looking forward to the Masters. See you soon.